it's time for the Everyman, where real man talk. Let's go. Time to grind, get inside your mind. Yeah, we working overtime. That's the only way to climb. We gon' make it in our prime. Signing on the dotted line, cashing checks left and right. That's the way I'm living. Life. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Everyman. Tonight we have a very special guest. We have someone that we know personally, and lots of our listeners probably are aware of. We have Reese Calvert. How are you doing tonight, Reese? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having us on as well. No, honestly, mate, it is um, in, firstly incredibly brave for you to come on. I know we've just had a bit of a chat there. The, the fact that you've come on and you're willing to share your story with us tonight is something we are super grateful of. Um, boys, any thoughts on us getting Reese on? I think it's a really positive start. Um, the fact that Reese is, you know, someone I would call a friend. Um, obviously, he's, he's been involved in the, the Kings Arms football team as well. So, you know, the fact that we are able to not only get such amazing people in special um, spe- specialities like uh, therapists, sport nutritionists, things like that, people who are in their own field absolutely smash it, but we've actually got people, everybody, you know, the every man, and Reese defines yeah. every man, you know, he's been through highs and lows. So I think it's it's fantastic that we're getting people on like Reese. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I am. Um, I'm in, really intrigued as well, like because obviously I come to the um, to the Kings Arms team a lot later than you guys, so you, you know Rico a lot better than than you, so than me even. Um, so I'm keen to hear the story. Um, yeah, re- really excited. Uh, me and Rico's been out in, in the past drinking and stuff together and been at the pub and stuff. Not so much recently, which I, I'm sure is something that we're going to delve into. But I think Ethan hit the nail on the head that. Sometimes it's important to have these conversations um, with people that have been through things themselves rather than the experts just to get their perspective on things. So really keen um, to hear how it goes. Yeah, for anyone yeah, listening absolutely. as well, Rico is Reese. Just we haven't got two people on the podcast because somebody... <laughs> who's Rico? Who's Rico? Hide in it, you know? <laughs> Aye, exactly. So yeah, Rico is Reese. for anyone listening or watching there. As far as I'm concerned, Rico knows me as the one and only true manager. Is that right, Rico? <laughs> Not sure what that made. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I came on. What the heck? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those where we've all known you. Well, I've known you now. I'd say, Reese, what three or four years through football. Which, yeah. um, what I would say, what we're going to talk about today is, I've known you that long. We see each other. Well, when you turn up. About <laughs> every week um, at football, and I just wasn't aware. And I think that's that probably one of the big messages that I would get from um, from today, today's episode, especially, is that you might think that your your friends are uh, all okay. You might think that everything's going great in their life, but actually, as part of a football team and a group of mates, that you and your story. I just I just didn't know it until probably this year where we've had many uh, conversations, especially once we started doing the pod and you spoke up saying, Lou, actually, I've been going through some of my own shit. Um, and I think what you guys are doing is really good. And I'd love to come on and share my story. And for whatever reason, it's taken to, to this point to get you on. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to to get to know probably another layer of you uh, and and. and maybe a bit deeper than 
probably where our conversations have been so far. So kicking it off, Reese. um, the first sort of question before we get into like podcast type talk, how are you? Is everything all right? Yeah, really good. Um, Just had another little baby boy, what, just less than two weeks ago. Um, So I'm still off work. I've got another two days off, but it's chaos with three three kids in the house at the minute. Um, But yeah, really good. Yeah, how is the little one doing? Because I know he is very new. Yeah, he, he's class. He's class. Um, he's, he's not sleeping too bad. Um, yeah. but yeah, she, it's still a challenge that lack of sleep. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah. been great. Absolutely great. Amazing. And is your missus and the rest of the kids all good? Yeah, perfect. Isabella, who's the middle child, she's she likes to act up quite a lot, but yeah, she's uh, no, all all four great. See, I'm dreading when it gets to that age with Alfie. <laughs> like, Alfie's already one now. And I'm like, yeah. it's already so hard. I don't know how you have three. I'm like, oh, my God, it's already hard enough yeah, for one. It's, it is <laughs> yeah. so hard with one. Yeah. Five, five, two, and a newborn. So God, it's, madness. It's a bit of a madhouse at the moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. I bet. So, let, let's kick it off. Um, oh, as part of our podcast, one of the sort of the key questions we ask uh, the majority of our guests is um, what does men's health mean to you? So this is a, a mental health, physical health, men's health type podcast. We talk about the highs and lows of, of men's lives. We, we share our experiences. We speak with experts. Um, and something that's really interesting that I've learned through this is that no matter what people's experiences are or no matter what people's um sort of knowledge of men's health are there seems to be some really common themes so i'm really interested in in hearing your answer to that question what does men's health mean to you yeah um so i guess really in the last few months my the meaning behind it for me has changed a lot Mm -hmm. um previously it was health wasn't really important to me i didn't really care about my health i ran mad distances and things done mad challenges and stuff yeah. while drinking every day and just it was just that was my way to say I'm healthy yeah. when I, I was far from it but like now with everything that's happening and what I'm going through like the health for me now is like looking after myself in the best way and for me it's to like keep myself active set goals set challenges um mm-hmm. for me to train for if i don't have something sort of a goal to aim for then i become lazy and i don't do the the training and the training's the part that keeps my mind healthy so really it's 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 keeping them goals and challenges set to keep my mind and body in the best possible shape and also yeah, I think that's... family as well keeping yeah. making sure they're happy and supported when i was drinking they really they weren't my priority and now like they are and that's another way for me to keep my mind great yeah so, i think go on ethan no so i was just going to say there uh, we go so you, you've touched on something there so you obviously you do quite a bit of running for those that don't listen i believe you're part of a running club you know you do you've always done like a lot of running and you'd be unbelievably fit as long as i've known you i think you've now kicked on since obviously the giving up the booze which is your story you're going to tell but obviously now you've took it to a next level would you say that it's 
goes hand in hand, sort of your mind being clear and having sort of that emotional clarity and sort of being able to to stay sober, it goes in hand in hand with your training and running. Do you think that's a big determinant factor? 100%. Yeah, without the... I wouldn't be in the place I am today if it wasn't for running, which mm-hmm. is crazy to think running such a simple thing can do such do such wonders for like my life. But it's like the last few weeks I haven't been able to run. Um, I hurt my foot on doing the 400 meter hurdles a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I can sort of I still feel good, but I can feel I'm not quite at that place where I was a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it just shows the importance of me being able to run, get out, run, and also have them challenges set sort of thing. I haven't really got any challenges with the baby coming and mm-hmm. sort of ha- put everything on hold, really. So yeah, not having that, it's like the motivation's dropped off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, before more... sorry, Lou, go no, no, go on, I was going to say before um, we really get into your story, it's probably jumping the gun a little bit on a question here. But are you are you fearful um, with the added pressure of a new baby coming that potentially you could slip back into old ways or old habits because you don't have the the mechanisms that you've built within your life through running, exercising, giving yourself time, space to deal with sort of the struggles yeah. that you had? Yeah, that it's been something that's been on my mind. I am, um, and I have been thinking about it, but. I think even just spend this time with my family, not doing anything, it's been brilliant. Yeah. I, I've, I've loved like every day, just yeah. having time off with my kids. Like two weeks, yeah. I can't remember the last time I actually had two weeks off, like as a like mm-hmm. bit of annual leave. Summer holidays are here, so cruises being off the whole time as well. Um, yeah. So at this minute, I feel really comfortable. Obviously, when I go back to work and I'm juggling all sorts, I think that's when the real challenge will start. But it's something that I just need to keep on top of. Um, in it's about awareness as well, like yeah. well, your, your own awareness and making sure that you know when mm-hmm. I well, like, when I'm starting to get back to that place, I know that I need to get myself out. I need to do something just to freshen myself and mm-hmm. be prepared, really. I think Lou's yeah. question pretty much tied into mine anyways. It was ca- kind of perfect hand in hand because what I wanted to say is, I know you said uh, obviously basically how like running is your sort of free space and, and kind of clears your mind and keeps you keeps you motivated, etc. But having that new baby probably has taken part of that like and almost transformed it into a family-orientated sort of uh, mindset. Uh, well, I know mm-hmm. personally for me anyways, I don't know if it, same for yourself but having Alfie kind of give us a priority if that makes sense yeah uh, where I try to use priorities without him like I had to kind of cope off things that I did for you it's yeah. running for me it was other things so as far as that's concerned it's nice to kind of refreshing to hear that people go through the same same stuff you know which is why it's good to talk I think yeah. a lot of the time mm-hmm. we, we don't feel like we're normal and then when other <laughs> people say things and you're like actually you know what I kind of get that you kind of like, you yeah. know what, it actually makes sense. So, yeah. 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 So, let, let's really get into it here. In terms of you and the the struggles that you've had, if you were to sum them up in a, in a few sentences recently, you can elaborate further if you like. How would you describe the, the challenges that you've sort of faced over, I don't know, recent years? Um. Okay, so... 
I've like only really started to know that I had a problem with drink pretty much maybe mm-hmm. the last year or so, five months so by now, but it was probably about I wouldn't even say a year ago or so. Um November was when I tried to stop the drink. It was all well we'll and like you say, we'll get into the sort of more nitty gritty, but I realised I had a problem with alcohol. Um I tried to stop, I started going to A, things like that, and I kept picking mm-hmm. that drink up, kept picking that drink up, and to the point where I did try to commit suicide. I ended up on the train lines next to the station at Westmore. Um didn't know what else to do. This and that was the moment of madness where everything eh, standing in the middle of the rail lines waiting, waiting for a train to come. Um no. it was no. scary. Um people seen us go on the train lines, so they managed to use the phone on the crossing. Um to but yeah, like just um, get the train stopped. I came off the lines once I seen a train coming behind us, um, and it was at a crawling pace. So there was there was nothing I could do. There was no way I was going from there. So I came off the lines, and yeah, I, um, it was it, it was it was awful. It was an awful time. It didn't improve after. It got it probably got worse for a couple of months after. Um, up to the point where I did a running challenge um, and that mm-hmm. changed my perspective on everything. It's interesting you said about the, the one thing I wanted to ask actually is I know you said you went to AA the first time so like you did seek that help but somehow still managed to like get to the point of where you were feeling you know suicidal to the point of acting upon it so from that perspective the support network that you got from the AA do you feel like you had any help with that or what what was your experience because obviously i've never had to go through that myself personally so what was that support network like yeah um it was a big help first of all uh helped me i identify that i was an alcoholic that was the main thing i got from the first meeting i went basically um because i i went in not knowing if i was one or not someone that i, I wasn't sure if I just like to drink too much. I was a normal person, just I got carried away. I did, like, that's what I was telling myself. You know, I, I just drank because I'd had a stressful day, anything like that. Um, so to get that identification that I was an alcoholic because I, I got so much from the person that shared their story, it was pretty similar to my story. Um, and I met a lot of people who were really supportive. They were they were they were really really supportive, um, and they helped us a lot. But they did talk about like alcohol and stuff quite a bit. And one one of the one of the nights I actually walked out of my ear meeting and I went straight to a pub. Um, yeah, I, I went I went straight to a pub and it was like I don't know. It kept like popping into mind. It was alcohol things like that and yeah and. I know I'm often a bit, yeah, sorry. Um, That's all right, mate. That's all right. But it's like, it's just, it's it. It was a really, it, it was helpful. But actually, since I've be, only been once, and that was two days after what happened um, with the suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't been back since. Um, I do plan on going back. I think kind of what I've been doing has been working, and I kind of do want to change that. And mm-hmm. it, it, You've got to be quite committed to it as well. So I ended up, 
um, before the last time I drank, I was trying to do something called 90 meetings in 90 days because it's meant to be 90 days to change a habit. Mm-hmm. So by going to a meeting every night, you, you're less likely to have a like have a drink when you're at the meeting or whatever. But all I ended up doing was working, meeting, work, meeting, work, meeting. I wasn't seeing the kids. Some nights I wasn't seeing them at all. I went in bed by the time I got in. It was more pressure on Charlotte. Charlotte was pregnant. So it wasn't easy for her, which supported us in every way she could. Um but it was it was it was a challenge and I think it got too much. I think I'd done twenty-two days sober and then I'd had a really bad day at work and I literally instead I walked past the metro and walked straight into a bar. Because I then drank on the Thursday, this was a Thursday night, I decided, right, Newcastle I played in the cup final on Sunday. And that's and I went out on that Sunday and then that's when it all happened. Rico, I just I know, well, Vine, you've summed up very well. Um, Rico, I just want to say, you know, that is incredibly brave, what you've just said there, mate. Um, yeah. Especially seeing it when you know it's live, people watching on YouTube, Facebook. That is such a massive step in the right direction, mate. So, you know, I just want to thank you for opening up to us as a bunch of pals and also to anyone who's listening. I know there's been some great comments coming through as well. Um, mm-hmm. So that's incredibly brave. I mean... Rico, I'm going to ask you this, and you know you can tell us to f off if you want. But <laughs> what what got you to the point of your lowest? So I know you've mentioned you went to the train train line. Yeah, you know it's it's deeply worrying. But the fact that you've come out of it's amazing. But what was your trigger? What made you go there? Was it just what tipped you over the edge? General? Yeah, what tipped you over the edge? And then what? Yeah, pretty much. I think there's like that's it's quite a long answer to that question. Um. Because it's it's all to do with how I'd linked drink to everything. So I had a bad day at work. I drank. So this all stemmed pretty much from when I was a chef. Um, you had a good day. You had a bad day. You had any sort of day. Had four pints lined up for you on the pass for finishing work. You'd worked 18, 19, 20 hours. And that was your thank you. Four pints sitting there. You'd have them four pints. You'd go downstairs. You'd have a few more. It could end up being five in the morning. You're getting a taxi home. And then you're getting a, having an hour of sleep and getting a taxi back to work to do it all again. And it became, I was drinking, what, six days a week, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Solid yeah. for seven, eight years. And then I stopped being a chef. And I didn't break that habit. I thought, oh, well, I'll stop doing that now. I'm not a chef anymore. But it became part of everything. So I guess to get to the lowest, it was, I admitted I had a problem. I said I was going to do something, but I kept picking that drink back up and going back to that place in person. And the more Mm -hmm. time I spent going back to it and doing it, like uh, the more it was hurting me Mm because I don't like failing and I kept failing. And that's what I seen it as. I see myself as a failure. And I guess I used alcohol as a coping mechanism for my mental health. I didn't realize my mental health was in such a shape, uh, like a poor shape as it was. Because mm-hmm. I always drank when I started feeling bad. Yeah. And I would I'd numb the pain. Com- yeah, completely numb it. Like I would, I would cause arguments with Charlotte. So she would, could, she would go to bed in a huff sort of thing. Or just to get away from us. And that would free me up to drink. I could drink mm-hmm. how I wanted to from that point. And then I could sit up till, what, three, four in the morning on a work night, sitting, drinking 16 cans of Stella. Wake up, sat up still in the set, eight, six o'clock in the morning, 
half a can of Stella still in my hand, just drink that, and then get up, get a shower, pretend like nothing happened. And I could go and function. I was I, I was a functioning alcoholic. That's what I was. Mm. I could still pretend like everything was fine in my life. Mm-hmm. No one really knew the extent of what I was going through or what I was doing, anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like when I stopped drinking, I struggled to deal with anything. I could, if I had a bad day at work, I couldn't have a drink. So I didn't have anything there as a coping mechanism. So I was I wasn't replacing the alcohol with anything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like, it just kept getting lower and lower. And then that last time when I drank, um, it was quite messy. I went to the pub, took cruise to watch the match. We went home and I got four cans. I had four cans in the house. That was a bad idea. I just couldn't stop drinking when I started. And that has always been my problem. Um, and then I'd run out the four cans. So I walked to the pub and then, yeah, it just, it got like, it got to the point where I couldn't have another drink. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And like, my reaction to that was putting myself on the train lines. I can't deal with this anymore. I, I'm sick of failing. I'm sick of being a failure. Like I can't keep doing this to me and the pe- like the people I hurt every time I do it as well. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. hurting a lot of people every time I picked up that drink, but I was really trying as well. And I think they all knew I was really trying, but I was still feeling and I was still hurting them. Mm. And I knew I was, and that's kind of what got me from there to there. Yeah. Um, do you know do you, do you know when you reflect back at that time? Yeah. Do you do you do you now understand why you were failing? Um, I kind of haven't I haven't got to the stage yet of looking back fully through it and sort of trying mm-hmm. to analyze it yet. Um, I guess I wasn't. I don't. I, I I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know the honest answer. To that. I think I am. Oh, mm-hmm. after what happened. I knew I couldn't drink anymore. I knew what it was mm. going to do. It was going to take um, it was going to take my kids' dad away from them. It was going to take my unborn yeah. kids' dad away from them. It was going to leave Charlotte in a bad position. No dad to help support three kids, support her. It was going to all my mum, dad, stepdad, my brother, sister, everyone. It would have it would have been horrible. So I knew that I had to stop that drink to to be yeah. yeah to be alive if if yeah. if i didn't then it was i was gonna hurt too many people it was gonna so that's when i kind of it was easy to stop kind of because i i, I yeah. knew I, I couldn't do it whereas i was still sort of in that doubt because on the thursday night i had a few pints and it was like i was like actually you know what? i went to the pub i came home at the time i said i was going to maybe i just needed a little break i was constantly mm-hmm battling with you are an alcoholic or actually you just lost a bit control a few too many times but like you've had a break and now you're better for it mm-hmm. when actually i was never better for it i was never better I, I, I was a horrible person when i drank as well so mm-hmm. i'm trying to fix everything and it's hard as well what what i would say so that there's two, two replies to that firstly stop being so hard on yourself as your mate and someone who cares about you like really stop being so hard on yourself and don't try and change everything so you can't you can't change your whole life and be a completely different person so don't try and put yourself under that pressure and you certainly can't do it in a day it's going to take a lot longer and time and reflection and almost unlearning the habits that you've previously had 
and things like going to the pub and all that sort of stuff after football or watching football and or social life us as a group of mates our social life is going out on the piss together that's what we do and that's what we've all done since we were 16 17 18 year old and that's really hard so then you need to find new ways to socialize and, and again that takes time um but a big thing that i've learned through my experiences and, and someone um much wiser than me once told me with addiction um you only really can start to overcome addiction by hitting bottom so you need to hit bottom you need to lose everything or you need to um it needs to slap you so hard in the face where you accept it because what you've said is absolutely um something that i can relate to and and other people that have been around who have who've suffered with addiction um you convince yourself that you're not an addict you you say i might just have a little bit of a problem well i went out on that drink and i had shots so that's why i was too drunk and that's why i couldn't stop or it was just payday so i had a bit more money for that night out so i just stayed out because i could like they're the stupid things that our brain convinces us of and the the next morning when you're in the doghouse with your missus you'll go well oh, i'm not going to drink again yeah look i'm so sorry and you would go and tell her because you would you could look you're right i'll never drink again i'm so sorry but that bit of time from that night out to the next night out then convinces you that you're okay, of course. Look, Charlotte, honestly, I'll be in by nine this time. And that next time, you might even get in by nine. But then it's the next time or the time after that is the problem because you've convinced yourself that you don't have a problem. And I, I promise you, that's something that we've talked about alcohol a bit on this podcast before. And it's something that I have some of the traits that you've said around like convincing yourself and thinking I don't have a problem or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I'm probably in that page where or I'm at risk of being where you got to um, of maybe considering myself as I don't have a problem with it when I clearly do because I can't stop. If I'm drinking, I never want to go home. I just want to stay out drinking and drinking and drinking. And that's mm. a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and I think lots of men, especially even if we look at our group of mates, 30 of us at football, will how many of, of that football group and that's just one football team are in the same boat 10 at least off the top of our head we could all name yeah. out of 30 so that's a third of of, of of one football team who are all in a very similar position to what you were Reese, but then haven't quite yet or may never but got to that point that you got to and that's terrifying yeah I think as well to touch on that like rock bottom place, I think that links back to EA quite well as well because when people are sharing their stories, they used to constantly mention like rock bottom, rock bottom, rock bottom. And I was like, well, no, none of these have happened to me. And I would mm-hmm. say it was yet, yet. Yeah. And it's like, if you, in the, the kept saying, if you don't change now, it will happen to you. And I was like, no, no, it'll not happen to me. It'll not happen to me. And mm-hmm. it did. I hit a rock bottom. And like you say, I, I think it was needed for me to be able to go, well, actually, I need to change. Mm-hmm. I need to change my tactics here completely. I just need to stop. I just can't even get close to thinking about it. Um, and yet, I think that you say about the the drinking, the not being able to stop, that was me down with the even in the house. When I stopped yeah. going out as much when the kids came along, like 
I just drank. I just drank. I just done exactly the same in the house. I'd sit up till four or five in the morning drinking. Um, it, yeah. it, it wasn't healthy for anyone. Um, I was always in a bad mood the next day until I had my next drink. If it was on a weekend, I would like make an excuse not to go out, not to do the family stuff we've been like we've had planned so I could sit and watch horse racing or the first race is starting. I can have a beer now. And it was just, it was just rip, like, it was just nonstop. Um, I just, mm-hmm. I couldn't get, I could never get a handle on it. If I said I wasn't going to drink till the Friday, some will come out oh, Newcastle are playing on Wednesday night. Actually, I need to have a drink then. Something yeah. always came up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, Rico, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like when you first joined the team, I don't know if that was kind of like from a timeline perspective, like where you were going through it the most, but I could have never tell, told. Do you know what I mean? I would have never known that you had these demons that you were battling with. You always turned up. Like, I never seen you, like, really piss-pissed, if that makes sense, or nothing like that. I couldn't tell that you weren't. You're always the smiley lad. You're always the one who's having, like, all the fun and doing the, doing the piss take and always, like, kind of like a bit of mm-hmm. a joker, you know? So, from, from my perspective, I would have never even noticed and i suppose a bit of me is kind of feels guilty that like i know we're not like super super close or anything but i feel guilty that i never kind of like asked how you were doing enough to like kind of figure out that there was something on there and I, as far as i'm concerned like I, I kind of take it a little bit of not responsibility but kind of like i feel a bit shit the fact that i never really delved deeper into it because i'd really I mean, I think your class, like, I, I do actually consider us like mates, even the short time we had together. But, like, from my perspective, it's just something you don't really consider and how someone's going through because you're so busy with your own life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think as well, though, if like you had have asked this, like, all I would have said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. And I don't know necessarily if at that point uh, I'd even realized there was a problem, if I'm honest yeah. with you. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think. I don't think it was that long ago. Yeah. I, I did actually realize. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's I, loads of love for you right now. I don't know if you can see the comments, but there's absolutely loads pouring in for you right now. I haven't um, looked. I don't, I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a lot of people who love Rico, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to have a look yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, you have a question? Uh yeah, mine's not directed at our guests tonight. Mine's actually just directed at Dean. Um, has he said a word? And is his microphone working? I just want to know. I'm too busy there. listening, and then every time I think of something, you guys are like, me, me, me. So it's just like, yeah. But no, I mean, I think, you know, what Lou was saying earlier on about, um, you know, resonating with your story, you know, so much of what you say links to, to, to me as well, you know. Like, I think it's one of the, one of the big ones. And one of the one of the main reasons is the FOMO, the, the fear of missing out. And, and it, that, that's you know, like I know I know that when you when you left the team for a bit and then you thought about coming back, um, you weren't sure because you thought you were gonna get a no show club <laughs> fine off me every week for not coming back to the pub. Um, but no, I was happy I was happy to wave that one for you, mate. At first I was rubbing my hands, oh he's give up the drink, you'll not be coming back to the pub. Yeah, it's a five every week, but no, honestly, mate, like really well done. A lot of people that have listened to this um, podcast before know that both me and Lou attempted to to give up the drink. Mine was more towards aiming to try and do like you know only drink on special occasions and you know not drink every week. Um, come home when I say I'm coming home, um, and 
a pint an hour. Yeah, a actually, yeah, I started off with a pint. I was allowed two pints in the first hour, then one pint every hour after that. Um, and that started quite well. And I managed to do pretty much the same as you. I got through the first part of the year till the 26th of March when Newcastle got to the, sem uh, the final of the Cup. Um, so that's when, you know, mine restarted. And then it started like that. And then it was like, well, when I go on holiday, I'll drink. And then I went away on holiday for three weeks and I come back one on another one. And now it's pretty much just, you know, it's just sort of regressed. And I think it, it's one of them things that it's, it's so hard to do. So, you know, we keep saying it. We say this. You know, I think it's our um, catchphrase now, but hats off to you um, for doing it, mate. You can take your hat off. <laughs> and, and and keep it up, mate. Honestly, you know, like we touched on it before the podcast. It's one of them things where we say, you know, they they, they always say they're recovering because they've never recovered, and it's because it's a it's a something where it's Journey. so easy, so easy just to slip back into it. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, but the like the four more, like you know, you not you didn't come to the you come to the first part of the end of season two, um, you know, had a couple of non-alcoholics and then and then took off and. I applaud you for that because I just I don't think I could I could do it. You it's know? the FOMO, isn't it? That, that's yeah, the challenge. It, it, and I think Dean, it's because we haven't hit with our alcohol, and hopefully yeah. we never do. Let's be honest, but we haven't hit rock bottom, and you have to hit rock bottom, I think, to accept yeah. that you have a problem, and and that that's the challenge. Um, Reese, I think that is a great first introduction to your issue and and the battles that you have currently. But I think I would like to take that back a little bit earlier. Yeah. Understand your early uh, your early life with alcohol. When did you first start drinking? What what did that look like? Um, was there anything like was there relatives that were drinkers in your family that made you think that that was like acceptable and that was the cool thing to do? Like, just tell us a little bit more around your early sort of interactions with alcohol and if that's potentially um, put you in a situation where alcohol was a bit of a problem for you. Yeah, um, I did. I had a great childhood. Um, family were great. Like, my mum and dad did split up when I was young. I can't remember. Like, like I was young, but like, mm -hmm. stepdad came to life. He's been amazing. Um, yeah. That, like school, primary school, it was good, really good. Went started high school, um, and I actually went to St Mary's High School, um, and I changed in year seven because I was bullied. Um, mm -hmm. Changing schools wasn't the easiest, but it was actually better because I played football with a lot of the lads. I knew them like a, a, quite a lot of the people that were there, so it was it was actually alright to settle in. But then I found myself acting the class clown a lot. Um, my confidence was really low. It always had been, really. And I think, I think through, through when I started acting the clown and stuff, it was to try and make people like us. And I don't know, it sort of changed who I was. I wasn't the person that I, I was acting constantly. Um, mm -hmm. And that sort of continued, really. And then I got... I ended up doing sort of daft and daft stuff. And then I think I was probably about 15 when I had my first drink. Three liters of strong water, I think it was. Um, sat in the good old days. Right. We're 15 oh, yeah. and you, you think yeah. you're so cool. And three pound Fuck bottle of three liters. But, uh... <laughs> uh, but the three liter bottle of strong water was and I bought in Subway uh, <laughs> next to the train lines. Great, eh? I am. Um, but that, that was a good memory, you know. I think that wasn't a bad one. My second memory, that was a. Uh, 
<laughs> that, that was a different story. He put half a bottle of vodka into a small Oasis bottle and just necked it in one. You can imagine I was trying to eat uh, sticks. People are telling us a, hot, a stick was a hot dog and I was trying to eat it and everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think um, it wasn't so much a problem when I was younger. Like, I, I went to town. I started going to town when I was 16. Yeah. Um, but it was wasn't very often. Um, I wasn't really drinking. I wasn't drinking through the week or anything. I was drinking on weekends. My dad got a pub. So then I ended up there pretty much Friday to Sunday night. And then it was probably when I became a chef at like 20. I think I was 20 years old. Well, I was 19 when I started. And then mm-hmm. 20 when I was fully into it. And that's when yeah, the drinking started getting heavier. Um Going back to like you say, like I was I was in pubs quite a bit through for, because of Newcastle. I had season ticket at Newcastle. What was it? I was mm-hmm. um had it with my dad, his mates, and a couple of my dad's mates' sons. And we were in the pub quite a lot. I don't I, I don't know if that's obviously had an effect or anything, but I think I did think it was cool and stuff. So I guess it mm. possibly has had a bit of a like um, an influence thought, oh yeah, this looks really cool. This looks fun. What's this to drink? And I always wanted a drink. I always wanted to steal the pint instead of drinking mm-hmm. Coke because it looked fun. So yeah. I guess, I guess, yeah, it probably does does have a little bit of an effect. I think obviously the pub stands out as, as one, but that would be an obvious one for us to touch upon. The one that actually rung true with me more than anything was the changing school, playing a class clown and acting like someone else showing off putting a front on because yeah. that's that's what drink does it yeah. does it to all of us mm-hmm. like we I, i'm a fairly confident person i will talk to anyone i'll talk shit like the best of us and i'll talk even more shit like the best of us when i've had a drink um and alcohol almost is like pouring petrol on a fire to that part of your personality. It just, yeah. if you if you are slightly shy or slightly nervous or whatever, and alcohol allows you to be more sociable, allows you to be more funny and, or think that you're more funny, think you're more cool, engaging, whatever, because you can then be this, you lose your inhibitions a little bit. You can be this clown. You can be the funny one. You can be super confident. Then... I think people like that, and I, I probably count myself as one of them. Um, that's where alcohol really is a problem because it allows you, in a social way, to be the louder person. And Ethan, I know we've touched on this before. That's definitely something that is you. It just—I'm describing myself, but I also know I'm describing you from what you've said before. Yeah, you can shake. Definitely it. not me. Definitely, can I can't. Conf- yeah, I can confirm that Fangy does chat wet back you when he's pissed. I can confirm that to everyone listening to the podcast. <laughs> but I'm I'm a wicked drunk, me. I'm a great drunk. I don't I mean, back you at all. I'm not gonna lie, Ethan. The first and pretty much only time I've seen you drunk, you nearly started a fight at Dino's wedding. So yeah, well done. That. that is true. That is true. Very true. Shall, shall we move like, on from that? I, I like how I like how Job's acting large because he's just come on camera after finishing his tea as well. So let's not call us out. Let's not call us out. No, no, no. We're gonna have the lads. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Starting again, Yeah, Ethan. I'd like you to touch on that a little bit. And I know I have called you out on it, but you have mentioned it before, and you are someone that I know very well. So I am going to put you on the spot. How has 
drink affected you in that sense? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my my addiction isn't with drink as much as it is with food. But, you know, my drink has been a problem for me. You know, I overindulge quite a bit. You know, similar to Rico, I remember being, you know, 15, 16. My man didn't let me drink, didn't want me to drink, but obviously starting hanging around with a, a crowd that you want to try and impress. So, you know, you get your half-litre bottles of blends and you put in your boost bottles or your wasted bottles. <laughs> You know, you, you get your three as a Frosty Jacks or strong board. You play Edward Cider Hands, and you know you do you do oh, daft Edward stuff. Great, great game. But um, you know, it's, you do daft stuff, and for me, it it changes my personality. It enhances my personality because I like to think I'm in a similar boat to Vindy. I'm probably a bit more cocky than Vindy. Vindy's very professional. Um, you know, when he's sober. Um, but uh, you know, I do act the clown, and it just enhances that. But there is a nasty side to me as well. Um, which I've not shied away from. And one of the big reasons of starting this podcast or being on this podcast is because I want to make right some of the wrongs that I've done. You know, I've upset a lot of people, whether that's friends, ex-girlfriends, you know, um, you know, just even regular people by the way I've behaved and, you know, letting drink bring out emotions and things that I can, that will, I will bottle up. So I tend to bottle a lot of things up. And then when I'm pissed, it'll like release Instead of just yeah. talking to that person or being honest with that person, I'm not really comfortable with this. So I don't like this. Can we change it? So, you know, in that aspect, it drink does have its plus side. It makes you more confident, but it also, for me, it turns me sometimes elsewhere. And I don't have a line as of yet of when to stop drinking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't see a limit. I just drink and drink and drink. Sometimes I'm physically sick. Sometimes till, you know, you pass out, things like that. So, it's it's a tricky line, and you know, it, alcohol is a depressant as well. So let's not let's not beat around the bush. You know, what I mean, it's not. Although it does make some of us quite happy, and you know, it does make people in the moment. Well, in the moment, it does, but it is a depressant. And you know, some of the stuff that Rico was saying, um, the way that he can continue and do his life to life job, it astounds me, especially obviously. I know I'm a little bit, probably a little bit older than you, Rico. Um, in that sense, I think. I can't remember. I think but, it's only uh, about a year, isn't it? It's only a year. I'm Ricky, you're nearly 30, aren't you? Yeah, no, I am. I certainly am. Jesus, see, see, that even makes it even worse because if I have a drink now, I'm out of the game. I am out of the game for a week. <laughs> I'm, I'm eating everything inside. You know, I'm watching everything on TV. I'm not really going to the gym. You know, I turn into prop my Dan Ray when that happens. I just <laughs> even watch TV. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, like I say, I, I don't know how could function. That, that's the thing that I can't get over is the amount of potential you were drinking. And like mm-hmm. you say, you would just function normally. I mean, was was there any at all pushback from your body? Like, was there any weight gain? Was there any sort of, were you down in the, like obviously I know eventually you got to the point of, suicide thoughts but during like being a chef and things like that did you ever have thoughts like that when you were in the in the mainstream of it all i mean if you wouldn't mind opening up about that yeah so in the madness really no um i guess i was that busy with everything chef like however many hours of the day and then just drink and that was a constant cycle on my one day off i would just pretty much sleep and watch telly in bed that's all i would do um so the see the tiredness that was pretty much it the tiredness was all i ever really got um 
whether that was from when I was a chef or after, and when I'd stopped mm-hmm. being a chef and just done my nine to five job, like that just meant I could drink earlier. And I still didn't finish drinking earlier because I was drink- starting drinking earlier. I was just drinking for longer. I was just drinking more. Um, but I guess when I did finish later, all I'd done was drink faster. It was like, mm. I, I was never sort of missing out on drinking. If it was like sort of towards the end as well, I was sort of like trying not to drink through the week. And then because I wasn't drinking through the week, Monday to Thursday, Friday, I would just sit up till five in the morning, sit and drink 16 cans and some rum or whatever, just because I hadn't drank through the week. So I was like, oh, well, I can drink as much as I want on the weekend. Start drinking at 12 o'clock lunchtime, drink all the way through until I pass out on the set. Pretty much. That was, that was my life. It was just constant. Like, oh, I haven't drunk this week. Okay, so now I can just make up for it on the weekend. It was just... But there wasn't any sort of tiredness. Like, I was I was ratty with Charlotte. I was ratty with the kids. It was unfair then, all the time. I was just... Mm-hmm. I was just tired constantly. I was never... I, I never felt fresh. And that's the... One of the main things I've got from this. It's like... It, it's... The, the like, I am I'm obviously I'm nowhere near perfect or anything like that but I am a lot calmer with the kids I'm a lot better with the kids I'm a lot calmer with Charlotte a lot better with Charlotte it's just it's just that's the main thing I've got from it and yes I've lost weight as well I think um I've probably lost about two stones since November time Class. um well done mate and like my belly everyone will know about me belly i always yeah. used to say when i did my running that that yeah. was me fuel storage well yeah i've lost that but I, st- I guess i can still do me run without that fuel storage <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. it was it was odd right because even dean i'm going to call you into this as well the pair of you the rest of your body right is <laughs> probably 12 stone if you look at the rest of your body, you, your your weight is probably twelve stone. You look at your belly, no, and you, not you now, Reese anymore. But even Dean's right. The weight only sits on your guts. It's actually quite funny because if people seen like a chest up or a waist down, they think they're in decent shape. Then to be fair, but it just sits on your gut, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, but I'm really bad for mine. Like, oh, just yeah. literally this little square of my body, just <laughs> everything there, nothing on my arms or my legs or anything. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Rico, we are going to shout someone out here. So Scott McKinnon has said, so yeah. proud of how far Rico has come. I've never met him, but speak to him almost every day. We support each other. His story is amazing, and he should be proud. Yeah. No, thanks, Scott. There's... There's been lots of comments like that, but I think, Scott, that deserves a shout-out, mate. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Rico, what I would be keen to understand, so I know we've jumped from sort of where you were, at sort of your worst point. We've gone back to sort of childhood and maybe understanding some of that. Um, let's talk about your recovery and how you've done it, how you're doing it, what it, what it looks like. So if we go back to... The day after train tracks, yeah, and you wake up that next day. Uh, were you were you drunk at the time on the train tracks? Yeah. So you're drunk on the time. So you've probably woken up with a bit of a hangover. Is that right? Still drunk. Still drunk. So you've woken up the next day with um, a bit of a hangover or drunk. Because did you just carry on drinking in the morning? No, stop. No, okay. I was so late, you went to bed. I ended up on the train lines. Um, 
when like I say the trains, I, I, I seen it pretty much. Well, it was stopped. It was if going less than five mile an hour, there was like there was no like, there was nothing I could do. There was no point to staying on the trains. All I was doing was just disrupt, disrupting everything. Mm-hmm. Came off the train lines and then um, my mom lives around the corner where I am now. Um, my office is set up in here. <laughs> just separates work from home. Um, yeah, I yeah. found that quite useful as well. But yeah, back there I came here. Um, one of my mates, Jordan. He um, he, I can't really remember if he seen us off the train lines or he met us here. Um, and then I found out the police were coming. Um, so I hit a bit of panic mode, and I, um, mm-hmm. I said I was going to the toilet, but I knew I had some cans and from like the last time I drank that I said I was getting Danilo in the garage so mm. I went and grabbed one of them and drank one and then got another one and sat with it and then like the police turned up outside the door so um I got rid of the can and spoke them basically asked for help and stuff the, 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 yeah that, that wasn't great um probably didn't really get the support that I thought i was going to get from that um what from the police yeah i I was meant to get referred to the um the crisis team Mm -hmm. um and they never done it so i woke up in the morning um i went downstairs i stayed in the spare bedroom here um spoke to my mom and then i walked home and they had it i know i just had it i had to walk across the train lines to get home and that was a pretty weird experience to be honest with you um did anyone walk with you no i wanted to kind of be on my own i was in a we had little we had little place mentally like i like i felt guilt i felt shame Mm -hmm. i felt all sorts of emotions to be honest um and i did just kind of want to sort of walk on my own and have a cigarette and kind of try and process everything that just happened mm-hmm. so I've done that um rang i got home and charlotte had been trying to bring the crisis team and that's when she knew like that the police hadn't referred us so i had a self-refer like they came out um it was tough it was really tough the first i think so that happened on february the 26th um and I was off work for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I needed every day of that, really. Mm-hmm. I think kind of, I went back to work, I think it was after six weeks. And I wasn't ready, but like money had started like dwindling. Yeah. I was on XSP. Start, yeah, 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 so that's going down, doesn't it? It's tough. Got a family, um, got a house, got bills to pay. Um, so yeah, I, I, I went back and then I pretty much went in to work as if nothing had happened really um and by my second day i had a full breakdown sat here couldn't yeah. even look at my computer screen so i went back off again um mm. i did manchester marathon and i hadn't done really any run at all and i, I was with the four hour pace i wanted a sub for like a sub four hour uh, marathon i was with the four hour pace up until probably mile 22 um mm-hmm. and i sort of got bumped out when i was trying to get some water i got bumped out the way and then i had to like sort of go back and get the water 
by the time I eventually got my water and had a drink, the pace I was quite far away, so I had to play a bit of catch up. And I stopped for um, a piss as well. Yeah. By playing that catch up, I eventually caught them back up after about two miles, but I put in too much catching them back up, and I ended up doing four hours too. Um, and I seen that as a massive failure, and that had a bad impact on my mental health. Uh felt low again i felt like i was worthless again failed again even though i wasn't drinking i'd failed again um and then for my 30th i was decided i was going to do the four miles every four hours for 48 hours challenge the david goggins one yeah i massively underestimated that to be honest. <laughs> um, but it did help us get through not drinking on my birthday i went through my 30th and didn't have a single drink so you know, when I was doing Mate, this two days incredible. after. Incredible. Well done. Incredible. I think yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd been planning my 30th for a good few years. And I really, <laughs> I think I really struggled with the thought that I wasn't going to be allowed to drink on my 30th. Um, but but do, do you know when you say weren't allowed, I have to interrupt you there. Is that allowed by yourself or allowed by others? So this was kind of before that night. Mm-hmm. So, oh, when that I, night. Okay. so when I was in here. I always brought up, like, it's my 30th. How can I not drink? Yeah. Obviously, after it happened, that didn't even come into the equation because I didn't want it for me. I think more so I was stopping for Charlotte and the kids when I was at A. I don't mm-hmm. think it was for me. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was doing it for the right reason. Like, you need to be able to, you need to do it for yourself. Self, like, yeah. You can't do it for, like, for other people because you'll never do it. You need to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think... As much as I did want to stop, there was always that, like, like the, what you mentioned before, Dean Fomo, it's massive. Like, um, Huge. And I couldn't, I, I, my, my life had been drink for so long, I didn't see how I could have a life without drink. Mm. So, but that four miles every four hours. So the first, I started four o'clock in the afternoon, done that, probably went far too quick, <laughs> burnt myself out on the first <laughs> one. Um, eight o'clock one came done that Dan Ray done that one with his and then was it either 12 o'clock one I had two people come to join us Dan Ray and Matt who I used to work with at the NHS slept in didn't I I only went went to sleep the court at 11 so Uh, I remember seeing that on Facebook actually I remember seeing it I'm sorry I'm doing it now don't worry so (laughs) I woke up and it was like quarter out of four and I remember I, I was lay on the settee for at least 45 minutes before I got myself up. And I was like, I failed the challenge. Oh, wait, what's the point in continuing? I might as well just quit now because I didn't do the 12 o'clock one. So I'm not doing the four miles every four hours for 48 hours. It's not mm-hmm. going to be that. But in the end, I got up. Good. And I done eight miles at quarter past four in the morning. And That's it was on the best runs of my life <laughs> like genuinely one of the best runs i've ever done in my life it was there was no cars on the road like the sun was just coming up it was honestly it was just so peaceful in my mind Unreal, that, mate. and i've so done that eight miles a quarter past four i think i finished it about and i half six or something so i only had like an hour and a half until i started the eight o'clock one um and i got that one done as well and then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to continue and go with it. I'd done the rest of them that day. Um, and I had the 12 o'clock one, which I'd done on my own. Um, 
when I did the 12 o'clock and eight one on my own, that's when I made that video about the things that I had been going through because I just thought like, really like, now, if there's one thing that I can use what I went through, it's to share my story and help other people and make it like known that, that people you do know do struggle. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like by making it like sort of doing this, you was giving me the opportunity to come and do this. It gets my story out there and it means that other people I have had messages as well, like of people saying that, like, what can I do to help this person that I think might have like messages on Facebook of like, how can we get him help and things like this? And yeah. like, I'm available. If anyone wants to talk, if they're struggling, like I'm here, um, like any time for a chat. So, but yeah, I think that four miles every four hours changed my mindset completely. Yeah. Like, like unbelievable. Like I, I, I was so close to giving up. I'd failed. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I just decided, right, I'll just continue. And when I finished that last run, I, I, I think I did cry. <laughs> I was with a couple of people and I think I did cry, but it was just, just, just amazing. I felt, I, I felt on top of the world and I was like, no, if I can do this, I can do anything. Mm. And I've kind of stuck with that. And it's, that's, that, was that, that was that moment where everything changed. I wasn't sitting struggling anymore. Mm. I wasn't moping around i wasn't doing i don't know I, it did just it's kicked us in uh, action i've been running since keeping my mind up like i said obviously not for the last few weeks but everything has been much better since that day you don't mind us asking uh rico i know you kind of mentioned earlier about like your partner and the kids and stuff like that how has it affected like in terms of especially at your lowest point how is it like directly affected them and what sort of support network have they been here in in terms of, I mean you don't have to answer if it's too much or whatever but no like, no it's fine as far um, as like how it's affected them it's obviously affected them massively um sort of when I was drinking and everything was revolved around drink I would force arguments with Charlotte so she would go to bed so I could drink normally because I would slow myself down when she was awake I would be like um, like, I'm, I'm, it's fine. I'm just having one every 45 minutes to an hour, whatever. Whereas really, I was drinking them every 15 minutes when she was in bed. I was just pretending. It just, it was just. That's what life of alcoholism is. It's just con- like lying to the people around you about what you're actually doing. Pretend I was taking the dog for a nice long walk, and I was actually walking the print works and having two, three pints. Uh, I, it, it stopped my son from getting a really good childhood, really, because. And possibly like my daughter for a little bit, but like mainly crews missed out more because I would spend Saturdays drinking rather than going on family days, and that's what we're trying to change now. Um, Charlotte as well, of course, like I say, many an argument with her, sent out of bed, probably affected her me- mental health and stuff as well, just because I was selfish, and I was that's what I was, I was completely selfish about the whole thing. Um, Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't even realize it until after, until I, I'm, I'm now getting sober. I haven't realized any of it. It's it's tough to look back and see how impactful you've had, like your drinking's had on people you love. Um, yeah, it's been, it, it, it is tough to look back and think on, but it has affected them massively, obviously as well. Like the, the drinking, the, the suicide and stuff that had a massive effect on everyone. It was awful. Um, 
but everything's better now. It like I genuinely can't tell you how much like everything's improved since I stopped drinking. Like I, I I'm a lot more calm. I'm not snappy anymore because I'm not as tired. I'm a little bit more snappy and tired at the minute with the newborn. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, it genuinely like everything is improving and their lives i hope are getting better because i'm not as tired and snappy with my kids either now if i was sitting watching a horse race and you wanted to talk this up and i had a, yeah. Yeah, a little bit hungover I'd be like, no no leave us alone daddy's watching the race yeah. whatever. and now it's not like i suppose that sort of touches on the gambling aspect as well which i've knocked on the head to an mm. extent that's that's great we go i mean i know obviously the, the gambling something else i want to touch on just something i want to deep dive into and and like I say, anything you don't want to talk about me, feel free to just tell us the F off. But, you know, we've spoken in the past about the people on this podcast who've got partners. So, obviously, Dean's got a wife, uh, Joby and, and Vines, you've got girlfriends or partners. Um, you know, and, and we've spoke about the support network. Now, in the past, my girl, if I had a girlfriend, I've not opened up to her and I've let it bottle up and I've exploded and it's caused arguments, I've upset them. Whereas Joby, I'm just going to pick on Joby here, his girlfriend is his ultimate support network. Literally. She's his number one cheerleader. She's his number one friend, you know. She'll pick him up when he's down and she'll clap for him when he's up. So, mm. you know, it's something that, you know, it, it's really lucky. Now, I want to know a little bit more about your relationship with Charlotte in that aspect because it does sound as though, and I don't want to sound rude, you pushed her away and for the to drink, which is something obviously... You're over now, but how did that relationship? Did it continuously struggle? Was she a person that maybe came to you and tried to speak to you about it, or were you very much left to your own devices? And how did you overcome those barriers? Say, if you didn't want to talk to her, how do you now talk to her moving forward, especially when you have those bad days? Yeah. Um, I'm unhappy to answer any question. You just don't need to like I'll answer everything you just put my way. Um I guess it's it's a tough one. I did push all of the way a long time. I think where there was there was a lot of times where we, our relationship wasn't great at at times. Um and it was down to like me drinking. She uh, she's pretty much gave up drinking because of me really i think i've put her off it for life which isn't something i should laugh but that's like more of a nervous laugh sort of thing um but yeah it's like she was always there to support us if i wanted it but it was more so i what i was picking drink over everything and like i say like pushing her away so i could drink how i wanted to drink and stuff like we went they like I say that there's been a lot of hard times in the relationship and I'm just really happy she stuck by us to get to this stage where things are getting a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. If if she can stick with you when you were an alcoholic and pushed her away, then what what is it going to be like when you're prioritizing her and your family and you're yeah. living a much more happier life? So yeah, credit. I think we need to give some shout out to Charlotte here. She sounds incredible. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Plus, obviously yeah. we've all met, or most of us have met her because she does come to m- watch the football matches sometimes. And yeah, she definitely is your number one fan. 
even though the boys will all give you abuse from the sidelines when you miss a few sitters, I feel like Charlotte's still Charlotte's still the one clapping and cheering yeah. you on. So, yeah. She gives us loads of grief as well. <laughs> as she should. As she should, mate. Yeah, yeah. as she should. She's gorgeous as well, by the way. I'll, I'll let you off a few... Whoa! Whoa! Hold on a second. <laughs> I don't, I don't give give Rico abuse because he's birds on the sideline and I'm trying to chat rough like Ali. <laughs> I could have finished that in my dog. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Good God. God. I think Joby's question was really good around um around the impact that had on your, your relationship with Charlotte. But how has it impacted your relationship with... You've mentioned your mum a few times in the pod. How has it re- affected your relationship with friends, for example? Like we've discussed around our social life being around drink. And your dad's owned a pub previously, so I presume your dad is around drink. How has it impacted your relationship with other people since you've then started to s- step away from drink being your social life? Yeah. Um, so... Go with my mom first, so it's it's really affected her a lot. Um, so when I was mm-hmm. 20, 21, mm-hmm. first major drinking incident happened. I flipped my car a few times on the time bridge. Um, I'd like been out on the Saturday night, got up to go to work. I just started a new job on the Monday. This was this Sunday morning. I didn't get into like half five, and I went to get the bus. Um, at Westmore, realized it was Sunday service, but obviously I was still drunk, so don't process things there. Um, no. So I walked back home, jumped in my car, and yeah, like I, I had to get cut out of the car by the fire brigade. And I was meant to be going out for an Indian with work on that Sunday night. Some of my mom and stepdad they followed us into town, and the scene the time bridge was closed, so they actually went round and pulled up next to it. And hey, my mom. And stepdad were trying to get to the car. Obviously, the police had had it all boarded off, and the fire engine were cutting them out, so they just thought I was dead. Um, so you can kind of see the the stress I've caused my family, like for years through drinking, um, not going home when I said I would. Some days not coming home for two to three days, just mm-hmm. constant pushing boundaries arguing with people because I've been drinking, arguing with people because they want us to slow down me drinking, stop me drinking, just, it's been a lot of arguing, but like, I've always just, I mean, I like put a, like when you said before, Joe, about like, always had a smile, I was always the joker. That Literally. was the, that was the, the mask. Yeah. yeah. That was the mask. That, that was the, the picture I painted when I was out. I drank and put that picture on, but then sometimes I drank too much and I end up turning into, like turning into the one that was crying in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'd done that quite a lot. Um, big shout out to like like me, me group of mates that have been like my group of mates for years as well. Like one of them, Joe, he was the one that said it was I should go to here for the first time. Um, so I went there and then. All my mates have been like unbelievably supportive over it as well. Like, 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 not wanting us to go to pubs, not wanting us to do like things like that. Like, yeah, it must be on going go karting. Like for my birthday, we went paintballing. I just trying to like do things. Like one of my mates comes over and has non-alcoholic Stellas, and 
Heineken would get different ones from Morrison's and that and we're sitting watching football and things all like the bare knuckle boxing and stuff while yeah. drinking them and like sort of do that you know like they've been a they've been a massive part and like helping us and like just being in like the, the lads group like they've all been like unbelievably supportive and I know that's something that a lot of people trying to get sober struggle with because they don't have the most supportive mates and it's like it's like own yeah. on, on the um like not everyone in the football teams like sort of being aware of like the whole thing that's happened. So like when everyone was drinking the Jaeger bomb, someone went, Reese, what you haven't had one, he has one. And Owen literally stepped away, went, No, Reese doesn't drink anymore, take it away from him now. And it's like that's good to have because sometimes I won't have that defense myself. Yeah, hundred percent. So to have them people around you that are there to say no for you, that's that's what you need. Mm-hmm. What real mates, don't you? Yeah, that's the thing. Definitely, we we were saying that like you need to have that um that network around you of people that are going to support you, um and I think that's that's a main one. You know, like the lad, I think he's I'm guessing he's your cod friend. Is it Scott McKinnon? Um, <laughs> he stole what, what I've been waiting the entire podcast to say, which is <laughs> um I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Um, alcohol is the only drug that you that that people when they say they're not taking it, people think you're weird. They think there's yeah. something wrong with you because you're not drinking alcohol, um, and, mm-hmm. and it's a hard one. But um, just obviously, again, you were, you were just touching, you touched a little bit on it, and you've said you'll ask and you'll answer anything. So I'm just going to ask again. Um, <laughs> with the gambling, um, you said that you know that I know personally that was a, a big thing. Uh, it's been a big thing in, in my life at one point. Now I'm, I'm next next to nothing. I'll dabble now and again. But what sort of how was your gambling? Where are you now? What, what sort of things have you put in place to, to to sort of help curb that as well? Yeah, so gambling and alcohol went hand in hand for me. Um, if I won, I'd want to drink. If I lost, I'd want to drink <laughs> for two completely different reasons, celebrate <laughs> or try and forget about it. Um, and I was betting every day. Like every mm. day, even on shite that I shouldn't be betting on. I never sort of got a... I'm not Ukrainian women's football now like that, but it was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say the name, but um, now I got like, like, like <clears throat> so I think there was a couple of nights in when I like started going to year when I did pick up a drink that I ended up on slots and stuff and lost a lot of money, which I hadn't really had before. But the gambling, I realized like I couldn't not drink, and like, I. I Sorry, how do I put this? Like, the the two of them just went hand in hand. So if I was yeah. trying to stop one, I needed to stop the other. And it wasn't that long ago, actually, but I did game at the GameStop, GameStop. Um, yeah. And it's much easier because I don't have access to be able to like, just go on and put a bet on. And if I won a bet, what I would do is I would then like use that money and bet on other horses. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I would just throw that away. I would never win. I, I, I never would win. Um, and, and I think it was I looked at my um like my profit and loss, and it was only like eight hundred pound down over a year, and obviously that is still a lot of money, but it was more about how much I'd spent on just that one site. It was nearly it was probably like four and a half grand on just that one site, and I had about nine apps. So mm. I, I that's when I realised like look I I need to 
knock this on the head. And I've popped in the shop at the bookies a couple of times and put a couple of horses on that I fancied or something like that. But it keeps us like in control of what I'm mm. spending rather than like sort of being able to just do Apple Pay like yeah. as free as you want because with Apple Pay, like you, you don't even know what you spend. You just double click on a button and you've got a horse on. Yeah, I think that did become a did become a, like, a massive problem, like just how frequent it was, how much money I was throwing away. In the last £10 that I had in my bank, I would put on a horse to try and make a 50 so then I could have a yeah. bet and to buy yeah. And that's that's not that's not how you should be living your life. And yeah. I'm trying I am trying to change that. I think with that, yeah. Sorry, just to touch, just to jump in again, right. just to follow up on, um, was like because we had the group which was Rico's bets, <laughs> which was where Rico would give us some tips. If you give me a tip, and I'm forever grateful for that. I won about six hundred quid or something in one week. Oh, I, I tend to find with people that are doing the gambling, and and my mate Sean uh, plays for the football team. He won't mind me saying had used to have a big problem with it, and not so much. But what I found with it is people such as yourself when you've when you're just looking and you you know you're you're having a look at the the spread and that you're seeing how the teams have done the the horses have done you can normally pick yourself you know a, a good couple of horses that have a good chance but like you you touched on that point of once you get a winner it gets it gets to a Wednesday and you're thinking, oh, there's nothing really you fancy, but you're just looking for something that you can bet on. So you, you're stretching what, what you think is going to win. Whereas when you, you know, you, you're checking the form and you see how everything's going, you can probably pick one, but it's that sitting there thinking, oh, I've got a 10 hour, I'll just hire it on that. That's, I think that's when a lot of the problems with the gambling start to happen when you're just looking for things to bet on rather yeah. than having a specific thing that, you, that you're looking for, you know? 100%. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And like, it did start where I would go to the bookies and put like a five-hour accumulator on on a Saturday on the football before I knew anything about horses. Still don't know much, mm. clearly, because uh, uh, <laughs> I've picked a few losers as well. But um, yeah, like, it, it just, it, it's like the same as the alcohol. Like, the progression happens quickly and it goes from like progressing quickly to the point where, whoa, it's too much. And that's been like a like something that's happened quite a lot in my life like I've, I've got a, a very addictive personality no. I get I get hooked on things far too easily mm. um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually Rico someone just asked a question for you uh, it was Angela she said if you could offer one piece of advice to anyone else starting this journey like myself and my partner my partner is seven months sober congratulations by the way and i am three months also congratulations it's it's not very easy to start that process uh, we both stopped for different reasons he stopped for reasons a bit like rico and i stopped just because i doesn't agree with me and to support my partner what piece of advice would you say would probably be the biggest help for them first of all congratulations to you both because three months and seven months is a long time mm -hmm. um, yeah and real the best bit of advice so for me it's running but it's to find your replacement nice. that you can like get the similar sort of buzz buzz from yeah so like, I, I get like running just sort of clears my mind everything but for some people it's boxing you just you mm -hmm. need to find like your like bit of fix i've been i've done a bit of boxing i've been playing football with you like um I've been doing quite a few different things and it's just the actual exercise all in all. That's what helps me. Um, and 
yeah, it does actually quite enjoy the non-alcoholic drinks as well. They do help, but I know a lot of people don't recommend them. What's your favorite? Uh, how does? So Sorry, I said which is your favorite so far? Which is the best? Uh, well, the Cottonwood tastes no different at all. The Stella tastes no different at all. I only just found that at the weekend, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's great. And the Heineken Zero. Nice. Sorry, Dino. No, it was, it was me. I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but with regards to obviously finding exercise or like that's really helping you, how is being honest that you're like coming out and saying I was an alcoholic or I am an alcoholic? How, how has that changed things for you? Like actually owning your shit? Well, I lived a life for so long. <laughs> yeah. I like so many people didn't know who the real me was. I, mm-hmm. I only showed people what they want, what I wanted them to see. And it would be this mm-hmm. like, person that had a smile on the face, like, t- like trying to make people laugh. That's mm-hmm. what, but that, like I say, that was kind of like the the mask from school as well. You know, like that, that character continued sort of, as you said, like the, the drink sort of gives you that power. And that's mm-hmm. what it always did. So the, being honest, I, well, I, when I posted that video in the, the comments I got on it, it was what I, blew my mind in it that that helped unbelievably like that sort of the mindset changed from doing the run and stuff i got the same sort of similar thing from the comments that i got from people for being honest it does massively help showing like showing that vulnerable side and i got messages of people like telling us like their struggles as well and what they have like sort of past problems and different sort of struggles with addiction I, things like that. Um, that was really nice to see people could like who I hadn't spoken to in years as well that could come up and speak to me. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want. I want people to be able to come and like approaches if they if they're struggling, if they need help with anything, if they want to ask us any questions. That's what I want to use my experience for. Yeah, top man. I think I think Ethan's got one. No, I just I think leading on there, um, we go just about the aftercare and the help you've received. So obviously, with regards to to the drink aspect, I know obviously you've mentioned um, there the police pretty much no help. Um, I mean, I'm not really surprised, but we've had a conversation, a brief one, albeit over text about potentials, and I'm not going to say what the conversation was, but about support you were getting, and I mentioned Better Help, which is an app, which is like a, a paid app you can go on and you can pay to speak to people who are paid professionals um I hope don't mind me sharing that because the nhs is so backed up how was your process getting help if you don't want me asking and also the journey itself just to share it to anyone that may be thinking about going on that journey um themselves yeah um i think that you say the nhs is very very stretched um so I didn't, so the, there's there's only really a couple of options that you can do. So after speaking to the doctor, as it was self-referred to um, uh, talking therapies, but the, the waiting list was nine months on that. Um, I actually got referred to NTRP, which is like the recovery partnership. Um, so that like, I went in, spoke to um, someone 
like about staying sober, blah de blah. That I started taking some tablets as well, which sort of help with the cravings for alcohol. So I've only recently just stopped them. Um and taking something like taking tablets for my mental health as well. But I haven't actually seen anyone because I was waiting um to see a counsellor through NTRP and I still haven't heard anything now. Um so I don't know. I, I like I said, I, like, yeah, I haven't had any sort of counselling, anything like that. It there there is big big weight in this. So they, if you really are struggling, it and you, I guess like you can bring Samaritans and things like that. But if you do have the money and stuff to go private, is definitely a better option because it can be a long wait. And I know the waiting as well. That really affected me at the start. I kept asking for help off all these different professionals and I was getting none. And that was putting us back because I was getting told, oh, look, this will happen, this will happen. None of it was happening. So I was kind of like, what's the point of being here? Like, what, what, what? I'm yeah, I've just, this has just happened. I'm asking for help and no one's helping. Mm-hmm. I, feel it also, I, feel, I feel it also plays into that part of you convincing yourself that you didn't have a problem because in that you're putting yourself out there going look i need help i have a problem and then they go yeah yeah well like someone will come and someone will call you like we'll be here to help but when they don't you then must i presume doubt yourself and think well i mustn't have that bad of a problem because no one's speaking to me so i must just carry be able to carry on how i want to carry on yeah yeah it's i guess the the main help was i did receive was after the um after the suicide, that was when I did really start trying to get help. There was many a night on when I was trying to stop and things that I had to ring Samaritans. I was sat in front of a box of tablets in my kitchen while drinking a bottle of rum. Um, there was there were, there was quite a few nights like that where even to the point where I'd written a suicide note. But I don't know if that was maybe more sort of like a a cry for help than actually wanting to do anything at them times. Like sort of just like when I when I called different places and stuff I found that it wasn't the greatest help the, the greatest help I got was off speaking to people close to us mm. I think that's the best advice I can give I, I don't I, I, I do think that the, the, these professionals that do want to help I, I think they're just massively underfunded and stretched I think mm. the best the best thing you can do is speak to the people closest to you if you can't mm. speak to the people closest to you speak to someone that's a little bit more still that you know you can confide in if that needs you can come and speak to me it, it need you but you need to get it off your chest in some format mm. as someone that sort of knows you because mm-hmm. then they can sort of i don't know like, like they know how best to give you advice they know what you've previously done um yeah i, I, I genuinely think like that they, they were the best conversations i had in some of the best times when i got talked down on nights out mm. it was i'd spoke to samaritans and then I, I still felt the same way. And then I spoke, like me made Joe in Australia one night and he talked as well down for yeah. two hours while he was at work. I think sometimes it's the release as well, isn't it? Just that having it off your chest yeah. is kind of like, in a way, a healer in itself. I mean, obviously I've never been through anything with alcohol. I mean, I don't know if any of the boys or anyone knows, I, I don't drink full stop. Never really have. I mean, I've drank occasionally, but most of mine is... Is that a conscious thing now? Like, you won't drink at all? Mine's strange because I don't know how much I want to really say or share, but growing up, I had 
someone in my life who was very like bad with alcohol, if that makes sense. And that kind of like put me off in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like I always used to say, like, I don't want to turn out like that. Like in, in a nasty sense, like they were quite nasty. Um, so I think even growing up, like I kind of didn't want to turn into that person. So I stayed away from it and shied from it. And then I don't want to say I judged people, but in a way, like on nights out and stuff like that, I would go on the nights out and I would really not drink. I would drink to some extent, but not to the point like I was getting drunk or anything like that. And I, I always used to make the excuse, oh, I don't, I, go, I don't get drunk. I don't get drunk, so I don't drink. Like really, it was just I didn't like drinking to the point where I didn't feel in control. And, and a lot of was that was because of my personal past, which I just didn't want to admit to people. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's always been like a, a thing I've been afraid of letting in and hearing stories like yourself and other personal family members who've went through it and like have had really tough times with it. I feel guilty for like almost judging people for it as well. Cause a lot of times you don't see the story behind the alcohol abuse. You just kind of see like, Oh, the just outcome of that. To, yeah, to, you just you just yeah, an alcoholic, yeah. like that's it, and I and I kind of feel guilty in the sense of. Do not feel so, guilty, mate? No, I'm no, but because your perspective I have is your perspective. No, I, but I, but I have judged people for it. Like I know I've judged people for it. I know personally, mm-hmm. like I've been on out out and I've seen someone like falling over and being sick on themselves, and I thought, oh god, they're just complete idiots. Do you know what I mean? And, mm, yeah. and really, yeah. I don't I don't know what that person's going through, and I feel like. That's something now I've got a lot more perspective on. And I think you're helping a lot of people, Reese. I'll be honest with you. Just, yeah, me too. Especially from the comments. I mean, I know you said you didn't really want to read them yet or whatever, but there's a lot of people who's saying, like, you know, even just helping one person, you've helped me today kind of thing. And it's, it's something that you've got some balls, mate. You really do. Yeah. Yes. I think as well, like, uh, to go back to that point you just made, I think you don't have to feel guilty about judging people because when I was drinking in that madness, if you had to told me that you were drinking on a night, I, I would have judged you. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And I, I did do exactly the same. What, you're not drinking? You must, you must be. Uh, uh, yeah. It would be like, I don't know, you are either weird or if it was like a last year, oh, you must be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, like, they were the yeah, two yeah, options yeah. that went in my head. Well, you know, yeah, or you whipped, it. or your missus didn't let you, or yeah. like whatever that is. Yeah, no, mate. It that's that's the challenge, especially with young lads. I can't because I can't speak for young women because none of us are young women. Is the fact that there's that social pressure for us to, if as Dean alluded to, as one of the guys who commented did, you have to drink. Like that's what young men do socially, even older men, but generally us from eighteen, some of us a bit earlier to. Even us at 30, our whole social life is built around drink. That's it. It's yeah. it's go out for a drink. It's like you going go-karting or us going for food. Like we're going for food on, on Thursday to an, for an Indian, the football team. Trust people will just be getting boys. drunk. You're in the chat, mate. Uh, people, <laughs> will be, people will be drinking. And it, it's one of those where like, I'm going to go and not drink, but people will go there. And see, look, even, even, even whether, he's, whether, whether, whether he's joking or not, whether he's joking or not, it's that. I was being that, serious for a part. second when I shake my head, but like, it's mad, isn't it? It's just our culture. Like, yeah. I'm, I, immediately I'm thinking, oh, we'll see if we'll see because I'll get him a drink or something. You know, like, it's so stupid, really. It's our, our culture. Yeah. yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I think 
what I'd like us to do, because we are getting close to the, the wrap-up point, Reese, is yeah. we have a part which I'm going to let Ethan just tell you all about it, because I always do, get in trouble do, every do, single week. Do, 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 so basically... Do, 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 do you want the banner as well, Ethan? Two seconds. Go on then, why not? Do, we need do, a song do, like... do, 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 do. Yeah, we need a song and a better banner. How are you? Whoa, how are you? That is... So I'll, make, I'll make one. I'll make one with <laughs> Ethan's face on it, like a, a poster. Ethan's face, like Ethan's face, going on like, Chris Hemworth's body. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hemworth's that. body. That's, that, that, that's a good that's one. Like, sorted. It's getting with, done tonight. With Rob and Ryan either side of us. Oh, I thought <laughs> we we're gonna get through an episode. <laughs> when's there? When's their so episode close. gonna be? We have to have Rob and Ryan on. However, we've just got it at this point. I think. I think allowed. we could get one of them on. We could get one of them on. I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, so basically, we sorry, we went to tangent there, mate. So we have a section of the podcast which Vindy likes to take over, but for once he's let me say, which is see no evil, hear no evil, or hear no evil, see no evil, depending on what you think. Can it never is. decide what it is. I can never decide what it is. And uh, basically, obviously, we've heard your amazing journey, mate, and it's far from over. You know, we're all incredibly proud of you, but we're mates, and we're always here for you. But people yeah. who don't know you or people still listening or, you know, anyone who watches this later on, is there a maybe a book, a podcast, even, you know, if Trash TV, which got you through those days that you would maybe recommend to someone, maybe in your shoes or maybe just a regular listener, if you wouldn't mind? Right, okay, yeah. Um, so one of the first things that I read, um, I, don't, I don't really read. <laughs> I'll say that. I don't have the attention span. Um, yeah. I struggle, I concentrate a lot. Um, but the audiobook, David Goggins' first book, probably popular, but no. the first I, the first book's definitely a lot better than the second. And <laughs> sort of talks about the journey and stuff. Um, and there's there's one I'm reading now which I'm actually really enjoying, but the audio is actually terrible. <laughs> Scott just, just said don't say Love Island. I, I used to love it. I never don't watch it now. Who's your favourite? How are you? You've got a favourite. Come on. This, I'm just gonna tell you. So there's one I like, one thing I'm trying to get into now. It's um like triathlons and Ironmans. So mm. the book's actually called Can't Swim, Can't Ride, Can't Run. Dino, get on the order. Dino, Dino, I hope you order that, mate. By Andy Holgate. <laughs> All right. Um, in Andy Holgate. So, so far that I'm into it, um, it's been a really good read. Although the person doing the audio is unbelievably boring oh. so maybe read the book instead of listen but I'm, i am still enjoying it it's um it is a good one but the, uh, definitely the, the david goggins like the his sort of story it's it's inspirational yeah, it's incredible. Stuff. Yeah, his mindset's is. mad isn't it it's just unbelievable other, like i've never ever seen a human that can just create the mind Focus. in a certain way literally it's crazy there is actually yeah. one more as well it's called, I think uh, the book's called The Marathon Man. He ran, um, how is it? Something like uh, a film 402 marathons in 402 days. And his wow. story is unbelievable as well. I met him when he did it. Um, he did like a inspirational speaker thing at one of um, my work conferences. And that his story is insane. And then he just decided to go and start running mar- at marathons. And he just ran one every day for 402 days, raised over a million pounds for like child bullying charities and stuff got a pride of britain award and just insane wow. so yeah them three i would definitely see 
Plus Rico, thanks for the recommendations. Dino's got them on pre-order. Um, but yeah, tomorrow Amazon Prime. Just the one for never you, mate. We don't need you. Yeah, never read them. Uh, just one for you, mate. Uh, a recommendation. I don't usually do this, but something unless you've not read it, maybe you can get the order book. But something called Finding Ultra by Rich Roll. Um, he's a guy who struggled with addiction. He's overcome a lot. I won't tell his story for him. The book is phenomenal. Um, that's okay. something I would maybe get added to your list, mate. And maybe you can take some some solace and inspiration from that book if you haven't already had a chance to listen or or Find read it for anyone else. Find a note right here by Rich Roll. We take note. If I'll not, I'll text you that uh, one. I'll definitely get onto that one. Uh, if you wouldn't mind dropping us a text, please. I will. Don't worry, mate. Top man. Yeah, so we're, we're probably at the end of the podcast now. And I, there's a before we get to the, the closing, closing thoughts, I just want to say thanks, mate. Like, And I mean that for sharing your, your story with real honesty, no holes barred, You've not tried to hide anything, not tried to cover anything up. You've been as raw and as honest as we could expect anyone to be. And we, as a podcast, and I'm sure the guest, as the the listeners will feel the same, it's been it's been really moving for me. And especially when you opened up straight away saying you were on the train tracks waiting for a train, I was like, mm. holy shit, this was this was levels. And and I know we've spoke about that before, but actually hearing you say that, mate. Yeah, your story is incredible. The things you do in your everyday life to not just inspire yourself to to live a better life, you inspire me as one of your mates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a whole football team of lads, even though we'll rip you at times and you'll rip all of us. Like We're all super proud of you for what you've achieved. And, and I know it's five months sober now. And yeah, he, huge admiration for what you've achieved, mate. Um, and and I'm sure the boys will will echo all of that. Is there is there any sort of closing message you would have to anyone who's maybe struggling or going through certain things that that you might have felt before, and in terms of what they could potentially do or or, or take from this episode? Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for giving us the platform to share my message as well. Um, and obviously doing my first ever podcast with you boys, Smashed it, mate. I, I know as well that they were. Like we are, we are all mates, you know. I'd spend pretty much see us every week, um. So you've made it really easy. So thanks very much, um. But yeah, I guess trying it's it's trying to find that replacement. You need to try and you need to try and replace that time that you would normally spend drinking with something else. It is a challenge. I'm not gonna put your foot around it and say like you'll be fine. But like you will get through it. You really will. It, it it's it's difficult. It is, but you just need to find that replacement and speak to the people you're closest to. Really do, because it will help you a lot. And if you're struggling to speak to anyone and you need someone, just you can drop me a message anyway. Any way you want, just anyone can drop me a message, and I'll not. I, I can't judge anyone with everything that I've done and said. So, yeah. Um, I'm open yes to anybody. Legend, absolutely mm-hmm. love that, mate. Top man. Yeah. I, um. So, Reese, yeah, want to really thank you for your time and coming on our our podcast. Maybe, maybe, hopefully, not the the last time you come on. We would like to get you back on, definitely, not. even as even to come and co-host and the, 
meet some of our cool guests. I'm sure you'd you'd love to to do that too. So definitely, great. yeah, I've loved it. Thank you very much, boys. Legend. All yeah, right, thank also. you very much to all of the listeners. We really appreciate it. You can follow us on Amazon, Spotify, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. Obviously, follow, give us a follow on Facebook. All that sort of jazz. Please recommend it to friends, family. We're just a group of ordinary lads all dealt with our own version of, of shit in mm. our lives, trying to make a difference to the everyday man out there. We get expert guests on and we would love you to, to join us on our journey to make a difference. Absolutely. And one thing before we do end the pod, I just want to thank everyone who's, especially the, the people who've given some, some positive love towards Rico. Uh, it's never easy to open up and uh, I think you've made it really easy for him in that respect. So cheers to everyone. Legends. Night, lads. Thank you very much. Bye, everyone. Thanks a lot, lads. Bye-bye. Let's go. Time to grind. Get inside your mind. Yeah, we working overtime. That's the only way to climb. We gonna make it in our prime. Signing on the dotted line. Cashing checks left and right. That's the way I'm living life.